0: Each week, I'll be sharing insightful and inspiring birth stories and advice in the hopes to help you create your own positive birth experience. I'm your host, Skye Marie. Let's get into today's show. Welcome back, guys. On today's show, I interview Meg, home birth midwife and co-founder of It Takes a Village Midwifery here in Brisbane. Meg takes us through her journey from maiden to mother sharing how each of her births impacted her and the diversity that she experienced over those four births from her first birth where she felt inspired by her labor but traumatized by her baby needing special care to a healing but quick second birth, a third euphoric home birth that left her feeling high and her fourth precipitous birth leaving her feeling almost stunned. Meg gives us some great insight into life as a midwife sharing her wisdom and knowledge gained over her career supporting and nurturing women on their own journey from maiden to mother. It gives me the greatest pleasure to share this beautiful woman with you all today. to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Really happy to be here. Do you want to just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah.
1: Um, so my name's Meg, and I am a midwife and a mother, and uh, I have four children. And my oldest is turning 21 next week, which is just really wild. Um, and his name's Hugh, and then I have a nineteen year old Imogen and she just moved out last oh, week
0: so I'm having was a... there lots of tears
1: oh, I mean, yes, there was <laughs> I but also you know it's great to be it's great to be a young person going out into the world mm. um but yeah, a whole lot of mother mother stuff happening for me <laughs> and then I have um Sienna who's eleven and Joss who is nearly 10.
0: You really don't look old enough to have a 21-year-old.
1: Well, I am old.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're not. Stop. I was
1: uh, 20, nearly 23, 22 when Uh, I
0: had my first baby. So I was a youngie. I was a youngie. Yeah. So I really want to start off by chatting about your work as a private midwife and the support you give women. I know this is a really cliche question to start off with, but I'm going to ask it anyway. How many births have you been at? <laughs>
1: uh, do you know what? When I went into midwifery, when I was a student, I was like, I'm just going to know, like I'm going to remember everything. I'm going to take uh, records of everything. And then I didn't do that. Um, so I, I don't know how many births I've um, been at. I do have a bit of a... a I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but I do have a bit of a clue of how many um, clients I've had as a private practice midwife. So I went into um, – uh, so I guess maybe just a little bit about us. So um, I am uh, one of the directors of It Takes a Village Midwifery. Uh, we're in Kenmore, and we've been kind of uh, in this um, form for a bit over two years now of It Takes a Village Midwifery. Mm-hmm. Uh and I went into private practice uh, in October. I don't know, nearly three years ago. I can't, I can't remember what year it was. <laughs> I don't know what year we're in. Um, and and as once I went into private practice, I've done primarily um, home births or women uh, wishing for a home birth. Mm-hmm. And I'm not quite up to a hundred uh, um, sort of continuous so clients. Uh, yet in that um, sort of it's been about two and a half years. Yeah, so but it's it's getting there. I have got I I am keeping a tally because I I love that kind of thing. Like I really love anniversaries and <sighs> yes, me too. And so it it is a bit um, odd that I didn't keep a track while I was a student and then a hospital midwife. But I think the interactions are really different because as a as a home birth midwife. And I do tend to call myself that, even though that is a little bit controversial because uh, we're, we're not, it's not about location. Of course, it's not. But um, I do think that um, there's something to the uh, energy you bring when your work is done mostly in women's homes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, as a home birth midwife, you you know, you form this relationship with not only the women but their families. Yeah. And it's it's very meaningful for me as well. So I I hope that it is and it feels that way for families. But um I, you know, I kind of fall a little bit in love with everyone that I work with. And uh when I worked in that fragmented system in the hospital, um and I mean I did work in the continuity model Um, for a couple of years as well so I did work with um, clients through their whole um, pregnancy and birth and postnatally but um, I don't know it's just it had a slightly different feel to it and um, and I did of course meet many women and families that I uh, cared for deeply and uh, was always really super invested but um, I don't know, it feels a little bit more like you're creating this massive big family when you work in this model. Mm. Um, and, I mean, that happens. Of course, Sky, that's part of, well, I guess, why we have contact is because... Um, you know, your sister-in-law and then I've been a midwife to it feels like this little (laughs) kind of
0: community of women
1: um, who kind of have connection.
0: It's an incredibly bonding experience, isn't it? Yeah,
1: it's really deep, really meaningful. Mm.
0: So at what point in your career did you realise that you wanted to step away from the hospital? Was there anything in particular that influenced that decision? Um, Well, I guess
1: I am one of those people who came to midwifery because of my own journey um, as a mother, so um, and my birthing journeys, so I I had all my children before I became a midwife, mm-hmm. and I wanted to move into. I, I always wanted to be uh, a midwife who worked with women at home, so that's why I um, became a midwife. And um, when when I started studying. I there was a bit of um, a change that kind of happened with around insurance. I That's my vague memory of it. But basically shortly after I started studying, it became clear that I wouldn't be able to step immediately into serving women as a home birth midwife or as a private midwife. So um, that was a bit discouraging, but at the same time, I always felt like there was something to give women in when I was working with them in the hospital setting. so i um, I have beautiful mentors that um, have helped shape my philosophy. and um, part of that was just kindness and how much um, how much that matters. So I you know I hope that. As much as I could, that's what I could do um, for women that I worked with as a student midwife and then as a midwife working in the hospital. But it was always my intention to move uh, out of the hospital. Um, and one of the requirements um, to become, I guess it's there's a lot of kind of... Um, you know, uh, frameworks around midwives who work in private practice and just a like a real um, short version of that is uh, that to work in private practice, you need insurance or um, midwives need insurance. But if you're working in private practice, there's only one um company that provides us insurance and you can only access that insurance if you're an endorsed midwife. And so what that means is that you have to have completed certain um, requirements. So it's a certain amount of hours um, of working as a midwife. You have to um, complete a prescribing course that's recognised and then obviously just other sort of standard requirements of having to meet your um, registration requirements. So I had to do all those things um, and 5,000 hours is is the minimum requirement, which is uh, – sorry, I keep saying requirement, but that's what it feels like <laughs> it's all about. Um, but uh, So that's uh, three years full-time yeah. um, as a midwife. So you really uh, don't have any choice. There's a few yeah. uh, midwifery practices that I guess are big enough to be able to uh, purchase a different type of insurance and they can – have like graduate midwives or midwives who are earlier in their career but uh most of us are um not able to access that so yeah so i was always um had a view to go into private practice i was very blessed to like i said have relationships with um other midwives who are working in private practice and i was able to attend Uh, home births as a second midwife Mm -hmm. because again there's again you you can do that without the insurance you can go to the birth but you can't provide the um antenatal and postnatal care Mm -hmm. so that was really helpful for me to not only gain that experience of um being at home birth which is a very different um it's a very different creature to birth in the hospital. Wow. Um, it, it helped me acquire some hours, um, and it just helped me keep my heart where it um, needed to be. Yeah. And uh, it also highlighted that I just, yeah, it wasn't, it didn't feel right for me to continue to to work in the hospital system. Mm-hmm. But I, I really, you know, I do believe that midwives working there can still do beautiful, kind, midwifery. Yeah. It's just really it's really hard to do it in these frameworks that um, aren't centred around women and families and, and women as individuals. So that, yeah, was always a real struggle. So, yeah, as soon as I got my hours, I got my endorsement um, and moved into into private practice.
0: Is there any kind of birth that you are not allowed to attend? So um,
1: midwives, are, um, you know, we work within uh, guidelines that are set out um, by the Australian College of Midwives and the Nursing and Midwifery Board of Australia, um, and those. Uh, guidelines, I guess, are what kind of uh, let us know what is considered within our scope and what's not. Um, I do think that there's some, uh, you know, flexibility there as far as, as a midwife, what you have, like what you've been exposed to and what your experience level is. So, but ultimately, that we are. We have these frameworks that we are guided by, and there can be times when it's just uh, considered very much outside of our scope to uh, to. I don't like the word manage, but to um, be the only care provider involved in either that pregnancy or that birth, mm-hmm. or particular, or potentially the postnatal period. So, I guess one that I, I think is pretty universal in Australia now is uh, twins, and you would you would know and feel yeah. your own things around that. But yeah, um, these days in Australia, it wouldn't be considered. Um, okay to support a known um twin birth at home and there'd be lots of reasons behind that and i guess part of it like just not to just go oh this is the guidelines and this is so we just have to follow those but um there are a lot of other things that are need to be you know considered for a twin birth um from our context and there's you know those women and families out there who have a lot of different worldviews, and um, I, you know, and I feel very much like people need to, to follow their own hearts with that kind of thing. But if I'm talking about from a midwifery context, you know, uh, my learnings and my understandings are that yeah, there's a lot of um, things that we want to just, I guess, keep a little bit of a closer eye on um, with not only the pregnancy but you know the birth, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a little bit. Uh, more difficult to do that in the home setting. And, of course, we see these um, beautiful twin home birds and they very often seem to be happening in America. Mm-hmm. And I do think that a lot of those, um, the people who are attending those birds have, um, you know, a different level of um, experience with doing that so they might be very experienced at attending um twin births and they may or may not have the support of um an obstetrician
0: yeah okay is it true that they're trying to take away the insurance um
1: well it's not that they're taking it away it's that we don't have it uh, anyway so uh, again it's a bit um complex and I definitely am not the right person to talk about all the politics behind it but yeah. um, back in 2009 I was having my third baby and uh, that was my first home birth and at that time there was a change and I'm very happy to be corrected on this but there was a change um to the opera um uh, regulations this is and that's our our um, registration body mm. and what it kind of said is that you have to have insurance to be a registered midwife and it's not just midwives it's all all healthcare care practitioners um, and at that point there was no insurance um, for midwives to allow them to attend births at home so it became obvious that home birth with a midwife might become Illegal. I don't know if that's the right term, though. But and so we all went and um, did this big march on Parliament House. It was very inspiring. I um, and you know three thousand, four thousand women and um, partners and children, you know, marched up to Parliament House and kind of demanded they find a solution. And um, at that point, the solution was to provide an exemption so that midwives could still attend a home birth without insurance that covers that part of our care. So we are required to have insurance for our registration. We cannot access insurance. There's no provider to give us insurance that covers birth um, at home. So what we have is insurance for antenatal care, insurance for postnatal care, no insurance for birth mm-hmm. and we we've given we've got an exemption um for that so that we can still be registered. But that has been so back I, I think it was it was two thousand nine, I believe, but it was for three years, the exemption. We'll find a solution within the three years. And now we're in twenty twenty one and we still don't have that solution and the exemption keeps being extended and it's running out right. at the end of this year. So if they don't provide another exemption or find an insurance product, then, yeah, potentially those women who are having a baby in 2021 won't be able to access a registered midwife, midwife yeah, to yeah. attend their home I, I personally i am ever the optimist about most things in life um, and I believe that we'll have the exemption extended. I mean, that's actually kind of what I'm hoping for because I'm not sure I'm super... I'm um, confident that an insurance product might not come with some strings attached. Yeah, okay. um, but, again, I'm not privy to all the politics that's happening in the background. So I guess my ultimate goal is always that women have choice and like we've discussed, like, say, with with twin birth and, and breach, known breach birth is another one that is um, really um, tricky to support at home and, um, you know, we already have some sort of, I guess, um, difficulty supporting women who tick certain boxes of risk, and I got that in inverted commas because I don't really like that term, but I I guess I suspect that it's possible that we might have more of that stuff come into play if we're dealing with okay. an insurer. But who knows? Yeah. Um. <laughs> But yeah, that is where we're at. So we do need um, women if they have the energy for it to, you know, lobby their local members and to, to, you know, make sure that all those mums who are now pregnant, we're starting to get inquiries for January next year, yeah. um, still have the option to choose to have a midwife if that's, if that's what, they would like to have a midwife come to their birth at home yeah yeah
0: thank you for all that info so shifting gears now i would love to chat about your births because you say they were a big influence on your choice to become a midwife do you want to take us through those journeys
1: yeah so um so i had a, my first baby and my second baby in a birth center um in Ca- in canberra um my I mean it's a it's a whole story Sky but um my first baby so I had a pretty normal pregnancy well I had a normal pregnancy um and I went into labor spontaneously at um like 37 weeks plus some days which is quite early (laughs) Yeah, I know for me as a midwife I never expect babies to come then but I've had two two um of mine come in the 37th week but um yeah, and so I had a what was a normal preg- uh, sorry, normal birth, um, up until very close to the end, and I should probably um, say a trigger warning uh, here, content warning, um, when he had quite a big um, bradycardia which is a heart rate drop and uh, he was born quite quickly after that but he was very compromised a very unwell baby and needed a lot of resuscitation and spent um, the next couple of months in special care and um, has cerebral palsy so he has a quite a significant um, disability which has always been attributed to that birth um, so that was quite the baptism by fire into motherhood and birthing as well. And I always reflect on that now where I am, 21 years later, home birth midwife, you know, um, that I could have that experience um, and not become super fearful of birth and Of course, I did have fears. And when I became pregnant um, with my next baby, um, a couple of years later, I did have a lot of fears and I probably hadn't worked through a lot of them mm-hmm. but i had held a, it's like i could do a real disconnect between the experience of labor and birthing as a process in my body and the you know the outcome which is of course what we're also focused on is this healthy baby outcome which is not the outcome i had mm-hmm. um i could have a real like disconnection um between those and i felt like my experience of laboring and birthing was so raw and powerful and I I just felt really, I don't know, really um, inspired by it. So even though I didn't have, I was like just, you know, I don't know, I worked in a retail store, like I didn't have a special interest in birth at all, Um, but I felt really affected um, by that experience. And so when I was pregnant again the next time, I went back through the birth centre and there was – never a part of me that felt like i wanted to really medicalize that labor and birth there was a couple of things that i felt quite worried about and i really wanted there to be a pediatrician there at the birth and i mean that was probably it really but um anyway so um i got to uh 41 weeks with her so mm-hmm. um was quite a bit more gestated and had a stretch and sweep, as you do. Um, And I – anyway, that night I went into labour and had a very – quite a precipitous birth. I rushed – actually, my first labour, I drove myself to hospital because my uh, husband at the time didn't have a licence. So that's – that was funny. Wow. Um, (laughs) Five AM in the morning oh, wow. driving and I'm like, Oh my gosh, what a ridiculous thing to do. But anyway, <laughs> this time he could drive. So we drove real quick to the hospital. I because I kind of just was like in labor quite quickly and my mum was staying and I remember like waking her up saying, We're gonna go to the hospital now and she's like, Oh, what are your contractions doing? I'm like, Oh, they're every two minutes and she's like, Go <laughs> um, and I got to the hospital and I had my daughter uh, 19 minutes later, wow. um, which was, yes, really a healing um, experience. And while I don't, you know, I, I think that's a lot of weight to put on any birth, pregnancy, birth, whatever, to heal another experience. It, it was because there was a lot of, um, you know, self doubt and mm. self-blame about what had happened with Hugh and then to be able to you know grow and birth a baby who was healthy um was just really you know really uh it did it healed um me in ways that i needed you know and then i was able to breastfeed her i wasn't able to breastfeed him and um and so that was that was you know a great experience for me mm. So both, like as far as labour is concerned, really straightforward. Um, Hugh's birth was, I think, about six to eight hours. I can't quite remember. And, and, yeah, um, Imogen's, I say two hours, but, yeah, I was at the hospital for only a very Mm. um, short time. And then I fast forward seven years. I have had a new partner, um, a friend of mine had had um, some home births, and I think I'd read home birth stories and thought they sounded very romantic and but not really, like, ever thought about it in as something I would do. Um, but before I fell pregnant with Sienna, who's my th- third baby, I had already planned that I would have a home birth yeah, inspired by my friend, I guess, and then me doing a little bit of research and, um, yeah, so I interviewed uh, just such an annoying person in hindsight but <laughs> I interviewed um, private midwives before I was pregnant um, so I already knew who I wanted my midwife to be. And, of course, just like now, midwives booked out really quickly so I was like I want to know who who it is so I can book it as soon as I'm pregnant and because I really want this home birth. Um And so my midwife was Sonia um, Butel from Toowoomba, who's now I I count as a friend and also a mentor, and that's pretty sweet. Um, And she probably had a lot of work to do with me around fears. So although I was really confident to have a home birth, I still did have a little bit of baggage. Of
0: course.
1: Um, But, again, had a really normal pregnancy, um, very straightforward. And then at... I think I was like only a day or so over 31 weeks. That's what my memory, I'd have to look at my notes again, um, but I'm sure it was, I, was, I was in the 37th week and I'm, I feel like it was 37 plus one. Um, I went and had a visit with my friend and she was going to come to my birth and she did some henna on my belly and I got home and I had a shower and then I got into bed and my water's released and... I was like, oh, because that had not happened in my other births. And my waters had, uh, well, with Hugh they had um, released them, I believe, um, artificially just right at the end when um, when we were trying to get the baby to be born, and with uh, Imogen that happened uh, just before she was born, and so I was like, oh, this is a new experience, and. Um, Called my midwife, and she was like, you know, put a pad on, go back to bed. But I, I couldn't, and I did start to have surges uh, pretty quickly after that that were pretty mild. I asked my friend to come over, and I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I'm always like thinking about, you know, what I did now in the context, of, like with the eyes of a midwife, and like, oh. <laughs> god roll my eyes but i yeah I, I didn't go to sleep um i watched like tv i watched like true blood or some vampire oh. thing which i'm <laughs> always telling people not to do i'm like don't watch any horror movie not that people can do whatever they want of course but i'm like only oxytocin um anyway so i watched that and then i remember it got to the end like we watched one episode and i was like no nah, i'm not i'm having a baby now And, um, I don't, so that was like, it was just after 11 when my orders released. And I think I, um, called, uh, my midwife to come, uh, and she was like about three, two or three o'clock, um, in the morning. And I was in good labor then, and we'd put up the birth pool and my, my partner didn't put the liner in it another really annoying thing that I did (laughs) like oh my god didn't put the liner in the pool uh anyway it wasn't my job it was someone else's job um anyway so yeah it was all just really normal I got into the water quite um towards like I was in good old strong labor probably transitional got into the water and um I pushed her out really gently in the water, and I remember my midwife going, "There's her eyes like her eyebrows, and there's her nose." And it was like I could feel, uh, like I could see the little nose, like mm. flick over the perineum. It was like I could see what was happening. But I my eyes were shut, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and then you know her head was born, and then she birthed, and it was like so it was a very of course, it was an intense experience, um like labor most often is um but when she was born it was like I it was that ecstatic Mm. um you know I say like not orgasmic but like post-orgasmic feeling like of just being like the rushes through your body of that oxytocin it was like I was changed forever so I had had this pregnancy and I'd become a real birth you know, nerd and been really interested and inspired and thought about midwifery and then I had that experience and I was like women need to know that this can happen, like it can feel like this. Yeah. So although I'd had, I I definitely had trauma from my first birth um, and I don't have another name for it other than birth trauma because it was came with that birth but it wasn't. Uh, the birth trauma that so many women are experiencing in our system where they're harmed by people and by things that are done to them. Mm. Mine was just, you know, a shitty thing that happened. Sorry, can I swear? Yeah, of Um, course. Sorry, it's really hard for me not to. Um, (laughs) um, But you know, like it was just a crappy thing that happened. But I ultimately, I'd had a good treatment by the system. Like special care is a whole different story. But you you know, I'd never had that um, been mistreated by the system. But so, but it was this real revelation that birth could feel so amazingly powerful and positive. And I was like on a high for a week afterwards like mm. like I shouldn't have been in charge of a vehicle kind of high <laughs> it was really I remember driving like after a week driving in to get my kids from school I think it was the first time I did it but just being like Phew, I'm I'm just not quite on this earth right now wow. um and so uh I think that's what um that was it that was then I was like okay I I love birth I want to be a midwife um but I had a lot of conflicting feelings because of the system that midwifery sits within still do probably but um so I kind of like didn't know whether I wanted to be a doula or a midwife and I went back and forth I applied and I got into midwifery um and then I fell pregnant so I couldn't um, start when I had planned to so I deferred mm-hmm. I think I'd ended up deferring for two years um, and during that time I continued to be like oh I don't know um, what to do and but yes so sorry then I was pregnant with Joss um, who uh, you know came into our family a little bit sooner than I probably would have planned but that's that's how it unfolded and I and my friend uh, who had been at my birth was pregnant as well, a few months ahead of me. And she was having a, a free birth with some really well known and respected um, doulas who were part of our you know, community. Mm-hmm. And she was choosing that because she had some risk factors that meant that a midwife wouldn't be able to probably support her to home birth um she'd had two caesareans and um one had been a classical caesarean and um yeah so what's a classical caesarean so that's like a it's a vertical incision in the uterus um so it's considered much higher chance of uterine rupture okay and so then she'd had that and then uh the usual horizontal lower segment and um so really like it, you know if you talk to most folks they like who are uh, care care providers um in the system that's like automatic absolutely automatic um repeat cesarean and so um so I'd been on a – like she'd been on a journey with me, then I was on a journey with her and then I was pregnant and I was not really in a position to be able to afford a midwife at that time. Um, and I loved my midwife. I loved um, Sonia and I think if I'd have had the money I would I would have chosen to have her there again. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't have the money and I was, you know – like loved these doulas and um and so I decided to 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 have them with me as well yeah um so I was at my friend's birth when I was I don't know about four or five months pregnant and it was just amazing she had she had such an amazing powerful birth that again changed her life Mm -hmm. um and I feel so grateful that I was able to um, be part of that experience. Not only because it definitely it cemented I was like I gotta be a birth worker, mm-hmm. um, but it's also something that I know now as a midwife I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to do. Um, and so it really gave me that like again that like birth is safe. Like we don't and. And don't get me wrong, I'm, I've gotten a bit more midwifey since then. So there's some stuff like I got my own stuff, right? Like, and I acknowledge that. And we're all we're all working with that, right? We're working with our own personal experiences, our, the experiences we've been exposed to. We're working with the knowledge that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really um, it it um, was a beautiful experience for all of us. Um, cried so hard um, when she. Um, sorry I'm still emotional about it when she lifted that baby up Mm -hmm. and yeah and anyway I was I was pregnant and then I went on and I had my fourth baby at home with those um people with my friend she had her baby sleeping on the couch Mm -hmm. um uh, probably we put the liner in the pool this time I don't remember (laughs) um I had I went to 40 weeks this time so I've had like Four babies yeah. and all over the place. Um, different different partner with the last two to the first two. My waters also released first um, with Joss. And then I quickly went into labor. I had about a two hour labor. It was super intense, different differently to uh, Imogen, who's my second baby, which was also about two hours, this felt much more out of control, okay. much harder. Like everyone was annoying me. I couldn't, it was like I couldn't catch up with my endorphins. And uh, like I just, um, there was like this one little moment just towards the end where. Um, m- My doula was um, like just running her fingers through my hair, which is a thing that I do now as well, because it just it brought me some of that fuzzy, like, okay, you know, catching my breath thing. But it was like intense. And my daughter, Imogen, she was she was there. In fact, everyone, the other kids were asleep in the house. Um, but you know, she saw that birth, she didn't see the other beautiful, gentle <laughs> birth, but she saw this one. Like, I was just like, I felt like, oh, it's wild and out of control. And he was much bigger. Like he was a whole kilo bigger than my third baby. So like between my third and my fourth baby. Yeah, that was a whole kilo. It was probably the same between my first and my second. Cause, um, Hugh was quite little as well. Mm. Um, and I felt like I felt every moment of that. I'd always had a really quite a quick um, pushing um, pushing stage with well with my second and my third baby. It was like literally a couple of minutes and I had to push him out so hard um, and I just was like, oh, because I thought as soon as I start pushing, I'm going to have a baby and, and then it just wasn't that way. Mm. And I feel for sure that there was some, he was finding some space. It mm. was not uh, easy. For him to come out and uh, he sort of came out like they usually do anterior kind of like looking at my bum and then most babies will restitute where they kind of turn and they face one of the legs and then they come out because it's kind of like that easier diameter for the shoulders to come through and he did that restitution Um, and then he was like no I can't fit this way I guess Um, and then he turned back to the anterior again and then he came out so that was that didn't feel like it all just felt like a lot it felt so much harder than any of my other birds. um and I mean he was a little bit bigger but not like he was 3.9 kilos like that's not a very huge baby um and and like it just felt I just felt like in shock after his birth and it didn't I didn't get the same like big old rush of I mean I did get oxytocin obviously but I didn't have that huge buoyed up feeling that I had after my first home birth um, but everything was very normal had you know had a physiological third stage for both of those home births um, I often tell this story of how the placenta was sitting in the bucket next to us and tipped over on the couch and so like that couch forevermore had this big blood stain like underneath the cushions like on the you know (laughs) face and so because I'm always really like don't let the placenta (laughs) tip over um but did you ever have any tearing no so um I've not uh ever had um any tears uh some grazes I suppose and um you know, that's just uh, luck more than good management is what I reckon, which is so often the case, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I mean, he took a really long time to push out, like his head took a long time to birth. His head was out for a long time, I feel without doubt that (laughs) if I was the midwife looking on at that birth I would have started to um have some feelings um but ultimately yeah ultimately he yeah he he came out and he Mm. was in great great um condition there was no no concerns and um yeah and it was like it was all well and then and then um I feel I always feel like that birth was a real lesson to me as a mm. midwife like to the future midwife I was to uh, become because there was a lot of sensations I felt in my body that I'd never felt in my other births like I'd never felt the ring of fire felt the ring of fire with him I'd never felt restitution um I had I felt that a lot you know and I also that sense of shock that some women have with a very fast birth i think i didn't have that same feeling with my second birth which was equally as fast but because there were so many other things like the just that sense of having my baby in my arms was very like i think that was the whole distraction like i was like oh i've got this happy healthy baby here you know so i didn't have time to think about my body and also i was significantly younger so that'll make a difference but um I felt really shocked and I felt a little disappointed in myself for not having this orgasmic birth that I'd like decided I was gonna have yeah, Okay, and and I think that I see that in my work now is that when particularly when women have these fast and hard births but even if it's a longer hard birth. That women are like, like they put this real value on, you know, birthing, like looking a certain way and that it's not like you haven't done it right if you've lost your shit. Yeah. And like, I really lost my shit. Like I was not like, it was just roaring through me and, and I know that's really normal. Like I know that now and I knew that then, but I was kind of like, oh, wasn't that like gentle experience that I'd had and it took me a really long time to to integrate that and to feel and it took me a little bit longer to bond with that baby and, it, and that's like an interesting thing to um, reflect upon as well. Yeah. And everything was really normal but it took a long time for me to feel good about that birth um, even though nothing was wrong, mm. you know. And I think this is a thing that, you know, we often say is, you know, when you've had a baby before, you have a story about what birth looks like for you Mm -hmm. and birth might look that way again, or it might look really different. And you can just be a bit blindsided by birth sometimes, you know, by it not being as easy as it was last time so sometimes if you have that like an easeful birth and then the next birth is really bloody hard that there's a whole headspace stuff about that and because i didn't have a long time to sit in that headspace um that probably was helpful for you know i didn't have to I didn't have time to get to where I was like why is this so hard mm. like I was just like in those precipitous birds you know I, I never wish a 2 hour birth on anyone I'm like that is not a better experience than the the 6 to 8 hours yeah. you know I mean look it can be of course I'm I'm being real general here but it, it very often the really quick birds are equally as challenging as the really long birds because you yeah like it's roaring through you and um and you don't have time to sort of catch your breath Yeah. and then that was just after that I was like yes I'm gonna be a midwife um I I guess there was a lot of different deciding factors in that that where I decided to be a midwife instead of um being a doula mm-hmm. and now that I'm a midwife and I still have some of that conflict in my soul but I do I, I believe that midwifery has something to offer, you know, and I'm, and I'm not saying that um, having that doulas don't, like I love doulas and I really support women to have whoever they want at their birth. Um, but I'm glad to be a midwife hmm. and um, so I'm glad because uh, particularly in the way that I work now, I have a lot more autonomy than I felt i had in the hospital even though i am still working with these you know within these guidelines and frameworks and i know they're not woman-centered and i know they're not they're not friendly to midwives either but um ultimately i it's usually between me and the woman like what we feel is safe and okay to move forward Mm -hmm. um and you know that that is a pleasure, and I like to. I you know I I don't mind some of the things that midwives can do, like feeling where the baby is and listening into babies, and you know I'm I'm happy to look at people's blood work and all that kind of thing. Is uh, and then if we're talking about birth, I I think that I bring a lot of the um, you know the gentle, energetic work that women tend to enjoy and that tends to. Um, be it can be helpful in birth or just being you know being in the space and not doing anything Mm -hmm. um but there's been times when i've felt really grateful to you know have some of those other tools at my disposal um to help manage an emergency you know they happen they don't happen very often um but they they can happen and um and if i'm there you know i I feel I feel glad to be there you know and to be doing what I can do to try and keep women and babies safe and yeah that's also that's kind of like the baseline of what our work is but we ask for a lot more and we hope we provide a lot more than that
0: absolutely you certainly do what (laughs) would you say is your biggest lesson that you've taken away from your entire journey (laughs)
1: oh my goodness that's a really big
0: question isn't it (laughs) um
1: the biggest lesson um i just think it's like that actually women have got this like that. that women can can grow babies and birth babies and nourish babies like they can do it Mm. and most of the time what we need to do is get out of the way of that Mm. and so Actually, even just from the time that I spent working in hospital, I think women are amazing. The fact that women can have babies at all um, in that system that puts so many barriers in um, their way is a testament to how well women's bodies work. Yeah. Um, And and, of course, you know, there is a place for interventions and we are really blessed in this country to have, I mean, this is stuff my clients will have heard me say, but, you know, to have good hospitals, good surgeons, good medicine. We've got clean hospitals, um, you know, as, as clean as some hospitals can be. But, mm. um, you know, we we don't need to do all the things that we're doing to women and babies. I I do not believe that. I cannot be convinced of that. Um, and I think if we could just, you know, get everyone just to calm the fuck down about their hyper vigilance of monitoring and managing women's bodies. I mean, that could go, I could start talking about the patriarchy now, but I'll try to hold off on that. But, you know, women's bodies and how they birth and how babies, you know, need like what their journey is in birthing. We could just, you know, we could really make a difference and, and to women's experiences without um, impacting the outcomes that everyone's looking for, which is healthy mum, healthy baby. But you know what? That's a real low baseline. And, you know, we, we can do better than that. We can have women come out of their birthing experience feeling whole and knowing their power, even if they've needed an intervention, even if they've, you know, it hasn't been quite what they visioned. You know, we, we can do that if Mm. like as care providers if we just I don't know sit on our hands a little bit more yeah I often make this like a little bit of a joke really about how I don't understand what Um, in the hospital what they're so scared of like because it's like at home right we're at home there's two midwives so you know for people who don't know when you have a home birth um, it is a requirement to have two midwives attend and we do our best for both midwives to be there when the baby's being born so that we've got a midwife to assist with the mum and a midwife to assist with the baby if we need someone for both or two people to 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 help one or one of them if it's needed um but that's it right so if there's you know if a woman's bleeding there's there's us too and that's it we don't have a buzzer on the wall we can't get 10 people running in the room um and i'm not saying that there's never a time when it wouldn't be good to have extra people running in the room absolutely but you know most of the time we can we can do it like we can at least stabilize things and move move into hospital if we need to but in the hospital they've got all those bloody people like they're literally just outside the door you know so why can't they just take a moment to not intervene like they're so worried about things going wrong and it's like you've got this folks like Mm. you can manage any of the things that go wrong but we cause so many of those things to go wrong by our management of the perceived risk that those things will go wrong, you know? Yeah. And it's such, I'm just like, just, just settle down. Like just stop, stop doing so much stuff. And you'd probably have to, like you probably have less emergencies to manage actually. Yeah. And, um, but anyway, that's, you know, it's hard. It's hard to change the culture and it's hard to do that if you've never seen it look any different.
0: Yeah. I love that perspective. Do you feel a shift happening when it comes to birth? Because I feel like four years ago when I fell pregnant with Bella, I mean – it was hard to find a positive birth story and home birth wasn't even on my radar whereas now yeah. there are so many women around me having these beautiful powerful births and you know the vast majority of them are at home. So what's your take on that?
1: I think we get in a bit of a bubble don't we? Yeah um, so my, true. Yeah my um, I've got a
0: cousin in America
1: and um, I remember her wife going oh everyone has a home birth in Australia don't they? And I'm like no I think you think that because the only Australian like person Uh, in the birth world you know is me and everyone has a home birth with me um so her like you know everything she sees in my social media makes her think we're all having home (laughs) births and I can I can think that sometimes too I'm like oh yeah you know there's lots but it's still a really small percentage yeah um I mean they always quote that point three percent. and I'd really I'm looking forward to seeing what the stats were last year because of course um, with all the lockdown and people i i I suspect our home birth um, rate will have gone up quite considerably. whether mm. it stays that way, I guess remains to be seen. but I think that there is a general shift in Um, people taking ownership of their own experiences not only in birthing but in other ways as well and women um becoming a more powerful um you know driver of our cultural expectations so that's in like so many aspects i i think we've still got a long way to go
0: yeah of course
1: i think we have a culture of passive consuming of healthcare. so we go to a doctor and they tell us what to do and what to take and we do that thing and we only manage you know like things when they become a problem and where we've got this expert culture as you know jane hardwick collins um people should google her if they don't know who she is but she talks she's on
0: the show soon oh yeah
1: she's so great and she talks about this expert culture which she will articulate far better than I can but you know that we go we put these people on pedestals and midwives get put there too and we don't belong there we are not above anybody um we are you know we are adjacent <laughs> to women and families I do think that but um and you know traditionally below um but we uh, I think we still have that really strong culture of expecting an expert to tell us what we have to do, what we need to do, what we should do. Mm-hmm. And so I think until we see a really wholesale change in that, in the wider community, um, we're not going to see the shifts that we need to, um, to see a really big, big change in the birthing and maternity world. Um, I you know, I am, like I said earlier, the eternal optimist. So I definitely, I believe, I believe we can have a system that serves women, Mm -hmm. um, in any setting. So I, obviously I love home birth. That's where it's at for me. And I know that's not where it's at for everyone. So I feel very blessed to have a practice that, um, brings families to me that, um, you know, want, you know want this kind of care and I can work as hard as I want to um and you know we we're busy like we're a busy little practice and that's that's great we're very blessed but I understand that most women are still going to want to birth in a hospital because that's where they feel safe and that's that is the right place for them if that's where they feel safe so we need to we need to do better Mm. by those women there and we can and and even just little subtle changes will will make a really big difference but it has to be unfortunately it has to be driven by consumers it has to be driven by women and who has the time to drive that when we're all just busy mums, you know, in this, like in, you know, I'm like, I'm several more years through my mothering journey, um, than most of the people I'm coming into contact with. And I remember those days, it was real hard to do anything other than just survive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm only just a short step above that now, but like with the distance of time, like I, you know, I remember, I, I, how hard it is and and should we be expecting all you uh, mums to be going and lobbying politicians yeah. and and I mean it's it's not right but I don't know how else we get that change and midwives you know uniting and not having an us and them culture which is is uh, um, I think that's what I would like to Um, to see happen and we try to create a sense of community not only between our like families that we serve but also amongst midwives and birth workers in this little place Um, and that's you know I, I think one of the lovely things about the last year is that people are really calling out for that connection and that community and that idea that we're all trying to like we're all trying our best, and um and I think for the most part, it doesn't matter whether you're talking about midwives or obstetricians or any like everyone wants what they think is best for women, mm-hmm. um, but we need women to define what that is, and that's individual women because it's not not every woman is gonna want the same thing right yeah exactly, yeah. Sorry, that was a really convoluted answer.
0: Honestly, it was beautiful. Yeah. I'm completely mesmerised by how smart you are. <laughs> <laughs> what advice would you give to any expected mums out there?
1: Um, well, uh, if they wanted my advice, which they might not, <laughs> <laughs> um, I would just say, you know, find a care provider who aligns with your values Um, whoever that is, right? So because, and of of course this is all talked about in the birthy world, but, you know, if you are going to somebody who, and you want to have a physiological undisturbed birth and you're going to potentially say a private obstetrician, and I'm not bagging obstetricians, um, there's some great ones out there, but they are surgeons Mm -hmm. and they typically that's not the kind of birth that they're going to be super, uh, familiar with and proficient at. Um, and also they don't attend births. They attend the pushing part of birth. Mm -hmm. Um, so for the most part, so, you know, it's going to be harder for you to achieve the birth that you are visioning in that setting. So, um, you know, just thinking about what are your needs and um, and finding someone who's aligned with that, if you can at all. And I know that there's a real privilege in having the choice. And, you know, I've felt that in my own um, experiences. Um, so I, I totally get that. And I just want to acknowledge my own, um, you know, privilege here at even just suggesting that women might be able to go and find the person who aligns with them best. Um, But, you know, if you can, if you have that option, if you can, like if you're birthing in the hospital, uh, a doula is a great idea. Um, find some continuity, whatever shape that is for you. Um, Because I think that's what we all need and long for. Like we, Mm -hmm. you know, people go to the same hairdresser for like their whole adult lives, right? And then we're like, oh, let's just go to a different doctor or midwife for every appointment the whole way through our pregnancy and then turn up and and have a stranger look after us Mm -hmm. when we're in our most vulnerable time in our life and see how that, see how that works out but don't don't send me to a new hairdresser because she's not going to know how I like my hair um so I think we continuity um is so valuable in so many ways in our life and and you know the that birth time um film which has recently come out and is getting lots of um showings around the country uh that's what it's that's what they're you know um, goal is is that women will have a midwife a known midwife and our role poorly defined as it is is to is to be with women through their pregnancy their birth and afterwards and um, I would love for all women to have a known midwife whether they need an obstetrician or not if they want a midwife, that is, of course, women can also choose not to have a midwife and not to have a professional in their journey and that's totally valid as well.
0: Yeah. So do you attend hospital births? Um, We, this
1: practice and the midwives who work here, we don't have a... uh, like a visitation, uh, like visiting rights at any hospital, we do serve a really wide region. So I've like attended births in you know Toowoomba and Kingaroy yeah. and Stanthorpe, and then all of Brisbane, right? So uh, there's a lot of hospitals in that that region. So it's hard for us to sort of decide that we want to align with one hospital uh, at the same time. We we would we prefer to work for our clients mm-hmm. and not have that, um, uh, I guess, for us, it might feel a little bit like a conflict of interest to also then have this uh, agreement with a hospital. Mm-hmm. So if women need to, for a valid Medical reason have a hospital birth, or if they want to, which of course some women that's their preference, but they'd like us to work with them, then we yeah, we can do all that antenatal care as we usually would, and we can um, support them in the hospital, um, but we do that in a, as a non clinical um, support role. Mm-hmm yeah so that means we can't do those things like blood pressures administer medications um listening to baby doing vaginal examinations if they're you know needed um you know that kind of thing and so although i don't necessarily say it's well like a doula in there that that idea is I guess familiar for a lot of women is but we are still a midwife mm-hmm. um the midwives and the doctors who work there know that we are a midwife and I think that we have overwhelmingly I've had very good experiences of planned hospital births mm-hmm. with my clients I supported a lovely mum last year to have um a twin birth uh, at hospital and you know it was a journey uh, you you know that journey mm-hmm. um And, you know, she had had an amazing um, birth, very quick, which is probably, you know, we escaped uh, any opportunity for more intervention. But um, I um, think it was helpful um, for her to have this kind of, Mayette always says, professional friend (laughs) um, in that journey and also who kind of speaks the language. And, Mm. of course, doulas do do that as well um where you kind of understand that if something is offered there might be some other stuff behind that offer that you may not realize uh, you're on the path to if you say yes to that thing which doesn't mean you say no to it it's just about kind of having that understanding um and uh we talk about advocacy but I always kind of say if you are advocating when you're in labor it's too late you know um Mm. But sometimes we don't have a choice, obviously, and we need to, you know, have some strong people surrounding the woman so that she can do her job and um, and that's also can be our role. But really, I want to, when I'm in that place, I do not want to do all those things that um the midwives have to do like, you know, documenting and doing observations, doing all these things because I want to be with that woman and I want to be holding her in whatever way she needs to try and get through the hard work that she's doing Mm -hmm. um, and not be distracted and taken away by all the other stuff, which we know midwives acknowledge is it's really hard for them to be with the woman because they've got a lot of other jobs to do and so it's a real... It's much easier for me to do my work, yeah. my job, which is arguably a lot harder in that setting yeah. um, if I don't have to do all the other stuff. So, so yes, we do support um, women who are, are having a hospital birth, but, yeah, we can't be the clinician in that space. Yeah, yeah. perfect. Yeah.
0: Well, Meg, thank you so much for coming on the mm-hmm. show today. I have so much love and respect for you, and I'm feeling all the feels having you on my podcast. Um <laughs> oh, oh, me too. I've,
1: I've, I've been very excited. Yeah. I feel like strangely famous
0: um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> being on a podcast. I'm like, oh, No, I mean just being on a podcast. No, not, you not are. Not because of who I am as a person. But, um, yeah, look, I love what you're doing, Sky, and I love I love your beautiful community that I feel like I'm like a little little community midwife yes. for all you you're famous um, amongst
0: my community <laughs> yeah,
1: well, that's right well that's all that matters exactly i, I love i love the bubble um but yeah thanks thanks for all the awareness you're putting out into the world mm. and this is it collective voices right so yes. yeah yeah thank you so beautiful much
0: that brings us to the end of the show guys some really great information in there for any expectant mums but also for any aspiring midwives out there I really loved how Meg spoke about the value we put on birth looking a certain way that really stuck out for me because it's such a crucial reminder for anyone about to enter the birth portal that birth has many faces and just because you lose your shit as Meg says, (laughs) does not mean that you did anything wrong Check out the show notes for all of Meg and It Takes a Village Midwifery's information. And let me know what you think of today's show over on the PBA Instagram. I'll see you guys next week for another episode of Positive Birth Australia.